uh, and this will be part of our message as well. Uh, Good Friday, we are going to have a Good Friday service. It will be over at Le Studio over in St. Hubert, across the street from the Guzzo Cinemas at 11 o'clock in the morning. And it will be streamed as well. We're going to have communion uh, that morning too. And uh, it's all part of the series that we're starting today. But we've got something on Good Friday. And then on uh, Saturday, if you just listen closely, I'll refer to it again in the message. We're going to have a Saturday morning double feature uh, over here at the, uh, at the theater. And uh, we've got two things going on, or three things going on, okay? We're going to start early at 9.30 in the morning. I'd advise you not to be late because you could walk away with a brand new iPad. Uh, if you are on time and you, you tune into this sermon series and you take notes, you're going to be quizzed on it. And the winner, who, the person who can get the answers the quickest and the most answers right, we're going to have an electronic game on the screen here, just like time play. Well, we're going to do it ourselves uh, right on the screen. You'll need a web-enabled device. Okay, bring in your tablet, bring in your laptop, bring in your phone. Uh, they do have Wi-Fi in here. It's a little bit slow, but they tell me it should work for what we're doing. Okay, so you have a web-connected device. You're going to be able to play the game. The winner's walking away with a brand new iPad, but you have to tune into the sermon series, okay? So we're going to do that at 9.30, Then, when the game is finished, we're going to send the kids over to screen 11 for a, a fun movie, the release of Sonic to the Hedgehog. I haven't even seen Sonic 1, but apparently it's quite funny and quite clean and everything. So we're going to play this for the kids at 9.30, screen 11. There is a cost to this. It's a first-run movie that's opening that week. Uh, There is a cost. You kids, you're going to get combo snacks and the movie for a whopping $7. You do that. uh, You try and come see that movie another way, and you're going to pay $15 to $20. All right? So parents... $7, nice morning out with the kids, can go and see Sonic 2, and we're going to be in here watching the modern retelling of the old story Ben-Hur. Maybe some of you never even heard of that, okay? That's one of the, the best Hollywood movies about Jesus ever, ever, ever is the old 1959 Ben-Hur. They've remade it in 2016, and I watched it and was pleasantly surprised. Uh, The story of revenge contrasted with the story of forgiveness offered on the cross by Jesus. So adults, we're going to be in here watching that on the big screen with the big sound. Uh, They're bringing it in, okay? That, I would say, is a 13-plus movie because it's got some violence there uh, that's pretty pronounced, you know, war and so on. So adults will be in here, kids will be over there, and, you know, somebody's going to have an iPad in their pocket as well, okay? So that's Easter Saturday, and then Easter Sunday, we will be in here for the celebration of, of the resurrection, and in particular, what does it mean, how has the resurrection impacted the world, okay? So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we've got things going. Uh, we're keeping the lines open through Erdo for you to give. People are giving every week to that. They are still able to move those funds to the neighboring uh, nations of Ukraine and helping people in Ukraine who are displaced. So the money is being put to excellent use. You can go to erdo.c and give directly if you want. 
or you can give through us, and we just transfer it to them, all right? You do this online, um, uh, on our website, or we have uh, a volunteer in the foyer at the end. Uh, she can handle all of your, your transactions with, um, with plastic, okay? We're going to dismiss the kids. We're ready, Jenny and, and Chanky or whoever's here? Yeah, okay. So kids, you can follow Jenny, and uh, they're going to take you over to screen number 11, and we're going to get going over here with a new series uh, today. So this is called Zero to Easter. I hope you're starting to take notes because, again, you're going to be quizzed on this, all right? Zero to Easter. And the idea here is how do you go from zero faith to faith and belief in the resurrection of Jesus? And we're going to do that in four messages from zero to Easter. Why? Because the biggest view, the biggest religious view in our side of the world, in the Western world here in North America, the fastest growing religious view is no religious view. We call this the nuns, and they have none in terms of their religious view. So uh, we're going to go from a place of none to a place of, re of belief in the resurrection of Jesus, okay? So, uh, and we're going to do this with four questions, uh, and you're going to say, wow, I, I think I know the answers to these questions already. Well, if you know the answers already, uh, maybe an iPad will interest you, but maybe also you uh, will be better equipped to communicate with the nuns in your life. All of you have nuns in your life. <laughs> you have people who, they, again, their religious affiliation is none. They're your friends, they're your family, they're your co-workers, they're your fellow students, and they've got tons of questions about what you believe, but oftentimes you don't know how to answer. This series hopefully is going to give you some answers with that, uh, but uh, uh, these are the questions we're going to be answering. Uh, does spiritual truth exist? We'll do that today. Does the theistic God exist? Are miracles possible? Is the New Testament trustworthy. There are, are people in the church who are leaving the church because they do not have the answers to these questions, these basic, basic fundamental questions of discipleship. There are people who are, are part of the new movement of deconstructionism that's taking place within the church where people are deconstructing, as, it, as it's termed, their faith. And they end up with almost no faith at all. I'm glad there are young people who are in the room because you are the primary mind that leads to deconstruction. And you are the crowd, the primary crowd that ends up being the nuns. Uh, and by the way, as I have, as I have young people here, uh, I've got some opportunity for you. I see Angela running cam for the first time here and, and running the stream. Uh, if you want to get involved in, uh, in what we're doing online, especially, and producing what we do online, we do need that help, and you don't have to be here super, super early in the morning. So young people, I want to uh, build a team now that we've got some momentum going with in-person services, and people are discovering our church because of our online content. That's, their, that's the first impression that they're getting, and you can be involved in service production online. Okay, so come and see me. Uh, and uh, I will uh, come and see you as well because we need to build that. So uh, first question of uh, does spiritual truth exist? Uh, and again, you may say, duh, 
Well, uh, put, your, put yourself in the mind of the nun, because the nun is not sure. So we're going to wrestle with this question of truth today. And first and foremost, I mean, it strikes me that uh, we want the truth in many, many areas of life, don't we? Uh, we're quite insistent that we have the truth in many, many areas of life. Can you shout out some areas of life where you want the truth? And maybe you can play along online as well and put something in the comment section. Medicine. Medicine. Yeah, you, you want to know that what you're putting in your body you know what it is. You've got some truth about that medication. You've got some truth about that drug. Dare I say it, you have some truth about that it's a V word, the vaccine, okay? You want some truth in your, you know, and by the way, I have three of them. I'll get a fourth one probably. I have no problem with the vaccines. And hey, if it gives me 5G, I don't have to go and change my phone, so it'll just help me. We want truth in the area of medicine. You, do you want your doctor to tell you the truth? But what if your doctor says to you, Sir, ma'am, I, I don't know if I want to tell you this. It's going to be too offensive. It's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to change your life. It's going to change the, direct, the trajectory of the rest of your life. Uh, but I think it's going to offend you, so... I'm not really going to tell you. What will you say to that doctor? You'll say, excuse me, but I want the truth or I want another doctor. So get out of my way and let me find another doctor because you won't tell me the, where else do you want truth? What other areas of life? In areas of justice? Yeah, okay. Justice is based on truth, isn't it? It's based on what really happened, what's happening, and what's morally right or morally wrong with that. Yeah, good. Children, how so? Exactly. If any of you have children and you get a call from the principal of the school, and the principal says, you know, your kid is a monster, and then you sit down with your child, you're, you're, you know, to you the child is the Messiah, but you sit down with that child and you say, what happened? Tell me the, don't water it down, don't play with me, boy, don't play with me, my, 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 my girl, my daughter, tell me the, about what really happened. No, is that the, or are you massaging it? But mom, but dad, I don't want to tell you you're going to get angry. You, it's, you're really not going to like it. Son, daughter, tell me the truth even if it's offensive, even if it's unconventional, even if it's uh, what is, uh, inconvenient, Al Gore's movie, right? An inconvenient about climate lies, he said, about climate change and so on. Boy, treading on some... There's real controversy about this word. Real controversy the last couple of years. You pick an issue and wow, you've got polarity. You've got views on, on two different ends of the spectrum. When you start naming some things that have gone on in the last two years in the world, wow! I, I, I have to tell you, I am disturbed and stunned at the same time as I survey the last couple of years 
and this question of truth. It's amazing to me. I still, I still wake up in the morning and kind of turn my head sideways when I think about it. How it is, in particular, in, in communities of faith such as ours, where we profess to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, an event that took place not two days ago, not two hours ago, not 20 years ago, not 200 years ago, but about 2,000 years ago, and we profess to hold to that belief, hopefully with good reason, and yet with things happening now, we don't seem to know what's happening now. We seem to have different definitions of what really, truly is happening now. And it's happening now. You can see it. You can verify it. You can see pictures and of all these things. And yet we have, we have this understanding of truth. It's like we don't even know what truth is anymore. We're so confused about it. Yet we hold to a belief in the resurrected Christ that's too thousand years old. It just makes me go, uh, I don't know, have we lost our bearings a little bit? 2,000 years ago, you talk about Easter, and this is an Easter series. There is a fascinating conversation that's recorded for us in the Gospels, uh, especially here. In this part of, of what happened is in John chapter 18. And you see a little dialogue there between Jesus and the Roman prefect of Judea, Pontius Pilate, who's a very fascinating political uh, character uh, himself as we look at the history books in this man and we look at what was going on that pushed him into the corner that he was in um, where Jesus ends up being crucified by his hand in a sense, by Pontius Pilate's hand in a sense. Um, and during the course of Jesus's arrest and his many trials, one of the people who he's passed off to is the prefect of Judea. And the reason why they do this is because they want to push for a public execution. And the Jewish people could not do that legally. You have the Passover is going to start. You've got some say in the area of a million people converging on the city of Jerusalem this, this Jesus is as hot as a frying pan in terms of controversy, in terms of a mass amount of people following him, and uh, they're going to have an uproar on their hands if they don't find a way to get rid of him. And so they're going to push for a public execution. This is why they uh, uh, bring Jesus to Pilate traditionally on what is thought to be early Good Friday morning. And uh, they keep their distance because they want to re not break the, the spiritual and ceremonial law. And they, the chief priests and so on, they keep their distance from Pilate and, and you know, trying to play this game to get Jesus crucified uh, at the same time. And Pilate is not liking this. He, he's, he's feeling very uncomfortable about this. Um, and uh, you see this dialogue with him and Jesus. And in the course of the dialogue... Uh, uh, Jesus says to him, uh, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Jesus replies. Typical Jesus fashion answers the question with a question. Or sometimes doesn't answer the question at all. 
Am I a Jew? Pilate says, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Why are you bothering me in the morning, pushing for an execution? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. It's interesting, this is the only time that Jesus refers to his birth in the Gospels. He never refers to his birth specifically except here. The reason I was born, wow, that's pretty focused. And the reason why I came into the world, that's also pretty focused, is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And look at this question echoing through 2,000 years as relevant as ever. What is truth, says Pilate. The picture from the uh, Mel Gibson's movie there from uh, 2004. What is truth? Jesus doesn't answer the question. Pilate goes out and he says, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Quote, unquote. And they push. They say, no, we don't want you releasing him. We want you releasing this other criminal here, Barabbas. And Pilate tries to get out of it. And they say, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Pilate is in a political corner. He washes, he has Jesus flogged, still doesn't, doesn't work. He ends up washing his hands of it and sends him over to be crucified. But that question, what is truth, is what we want to focus on today, specifically the question, does spiritual truth exist? If you are a nun, you have to start there because you'll never believe in the resurrection of Jesus. You'll never believe, therefore, that miracles are possible. You'll never believe that there's an actual theistic God. We'll define that next week. Unless there's a such thing as spiritual truth. You like to hear the truth in medicine. You like to hear the truth from your kids. You like to hear the truth from your, your uh, financial advisor. You like to hear the, watch to see the truth when you go on your banking website and see how much or how little money you have. But do, do we like it when we hear spiritual truth? Does spiritual truth actually exist? You have to start with that foundation. Now, what we're hearing about spiritual truth these days, especially in our uh, province of Quebec, is quite interesting. So tell me, shout out to me, 
play along on Facebook. Give me some comments. What do you hear when, you, when you, we talk about this concept of truth? In particular, in a spiritual sense or even in a moral sense, what are the things that we are hearing these days? It's the end of the world. Yeah, for some, that's, that's a very pressing potential. What else are you hearing? Just about truth in general. Okay, yeah, into the politics and truth, yeah? And, and this is a huge controversy. But even before you get that specific, when it comes to spiritual truth, the question of spiritual truth, what is it that you hear? Or even moral truth, what is it that you hear? Okay, that God doesn't exist? Believe in science? The science? Okay, you, you're reading my sermon material. Okay, wow, okay, the, the institution of marriage is a lie. Wow, I tell that to my wife of 28 years. Those of you who are married, you think marriage is a lie. <laughs> well, but in, in a more general sense, when you talk about spiritual truth, you're almost there. You're getting warmer. There it is. Everybody's got their own truth. Now, in the, in the province, just think about that statement and how powerful that statement is. In the province of Quebec, we actually have a law. This is a secularist, uh, a, an official secularist province now. This is, not, this is not just talk. This is law. So here, you know this, this well by now, if you work in the public sector, you cannot publicly profess your religious view. You cannot wear anything that shows your religious view, your cross, your yarmulke, your, your hijab, whatever it is. You cannot do that. And the, the defense of this is because you may be using your position as a lawyer, judge, police officer, whatever, you work in the public sector, you may be using your authority and your profession to influence others especially those young, naive children. You could influence them to believe your spiritual truth. Keep your spiritual truth to yourself is what that law is saying. You believe what you want to believe, that's fine for you, but do not publicly declare it if you work in these areas because we are a secular province. This relates to the question of spiritual truth. And this is a classic secularist view. It's true for you. But don't you put that truth on anybody else, even if you inadvertently do so. When we look at some of these statements, and some of you have said them already as if you looked at my slides already, 
Let me explain to you and teach you if you get nothing from this series at all. Hopefully you'll get more than this, but if you get nothing from this series at all, here's what you want to do with these claims about truth. Because claims about truth are very powerful. In my view, Pilate's question is a brilliant question. This is a very intelligent individual asking this question. What is truth? When you make a statement about truth, or you, you hear someone make a statement about it, or you believe an idea about truth, here's what you want to do. Can the claim that's being made meet its own standard? What is being said, put what is being said to the same test that it's demanding. I'm going to give you some examples in a moment. Can the claim meet its own standard? Number two, will it work with non-spiritual or non-moral things? Will it work with your bank account? If it'll work with your bank account and you can turn the statement against itself and it still holds water, then it's probably a, a good statement. Do you follow what I'm saying so far? You really have to track with me. I can just, there's some young people in here and they're saying, the iPad, the iPad, the iPad. Get your notes ready. Take your notes. You, do you want that iPad? Focus. You're going to walk away with that iPad on Easter Saturday. Young people, you are the target for these statements. Listen to me. The stats are that the, the percentages are, and parents listen to it, grandparents listen to it. When they get to the age where they can decide whether or not they will be part of church, they are leaving because of these questions. They are leaving. This is a phenomenon that we see repeated over and over. This is the age that it happens. Take the claim, put it on itself. Does it pass? Does it work with your bank account? It's true for you, but it's not true for me. Hold on, I put it at the bottom. Do you want this to be true for everyone? Think about it. It's true for you, but not for me. That is a statement that the person making it wants it to be true for everyone. Therefore, the statement itself is false. They want truth to be relative, but they're making an absolute truth claim. Do you see that? That's a, that's the, the claim falls apart just on the argument of philosophy. You don't even have to know anything about what's being talked about here. Just as a philosophical claim, the claim fails. It can't be true for you and true for me in a universal sense, because that's making an absolute truth claim. The claim contradicts itself. It's like saying, I can't speak a word in English. I just spoke in English. Do you see? It contradicts itself. It's true for you, but it's not for me. Well, is that true? If that's true, then how can it be true for you and not for me? It has to be true for everybody. That's what you want. But you're saying it, it's not true for everybody. It's true for you, but not for me. But you want that to be true. Therefore, your argument 
has just fallen, it's fallen to pieces just on philosophical grounds. Same thing, truth is relative. Is that true? <laughs> That's an absolute truth claim. It can't be true because you're trying to say it's not true and true at the same time. It's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a circular reasoning argument. Truth is relative, but if that's true, you just established an absolute truth when you're saying it's relative at the same time. The statement falls to pieces. It is not true. And when people base their lives on these claims... They're basing their lives on claims that have no foundation. Truth is relative. Try that with your bank account. Well, there's $5 in my bank account. Well, that's true for you, Mr. Bank Teller, but that's not true for me. There's $5,000 in my bank, according to me. Well, the bank teller will say, Sir, ma'am, either you need to get yourself checked out, or you need to leave my bank now because there's $5 in your bank account. That's true. It's not true for you and not true for me or true for you and not true for me. It's true. You've got five bucks in your bank account, and I'm about to take your $5 in service fees. So hopefully you're going to get some more money. Next client, please. Does it work against itself? Does it work for your bank account? Let me give you another example. Two, two ladies. You've got person A who's pregnant. You've got person B who's not pregnant. Is it true for one and not true for the other? Person A could say, well, it's true for me, but it's not true for you. But is that true? No. Person A is pregnant. That's true for person A, and that's true for person B, because it's true. The person is pregnant. That's another area where you want truth, right, ladies? You want to know. If there's no middle ground. There's no, well, it's relatively true. It's true for me, but not true for my, my partner, my husband. <laughs> no, it's true for the both of you. You are expecting. Your life just changed. The rest of your life just changed. What about person B? Well, I'm not pregnant. It's not true for me. No, your non-pregnancy is true for you and for the person who's pregnant. Both, they're, you're, you're pregnant and you're pregnant because you're pregnant. You're not pregnant because you're not pregnant. It's true. And it's true for person A. And it's true for person B. Do you see that? You can't play these games with these statements for long until you see, well, let's turn it on itself and let's see if it works with other things. Don't judge. People in the church say this. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. When you talk to people about Christianity, they'll say, don't judge. Is that a judgment? That's a judgment. When you say don't judge, you just made a judgment. In a philosophical sense, you are making a judgment by saying don't judge. Well, what did Jesus mean? Do not judge lest you be, for with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Watch out. You want to judge? Judge. 
But you got a two by four in your eyes while you're looking for the splinter in somebody else's? Be careful, because if you judge, the measure that you use will be put against you. But it's not saying, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't judge in a hypocritical fashion. We make these statements, don't judge. That is a judgment. Don't judge. The person is pregnant. Oh, no, don't judge. They're pregnant. They have $5 in their bank account. It's $5. Don't judge. You just made a judgment. You just declared there's $5 in your bank account. On philosophical grounds, these questions come. They start crumbling down. There is no truth. Is that true? Think about it. If, if there is no truth is true, then there's truth. Well, then it can't be true. The statement is false. The statement crumbles to the ground just on philosophical grounds. But these are the things that we are declaring about truth today, and these are the things that we are believing about truth today. And here you have Pontius Pilate in the Easter story asking the question 2,000 years ago, what is truth? Truth can only be found in science, someone said. Is that statement founded in science? No, that's a philosophical statement that's being made. But the person saying it is saying that truth can only be found in science. It's nonsense. It does not work just on philosophical grounds. It's a philosophical statement being pushed off trying to say that truth can only be found in science. It's impossible because you're trying to make a philosophical statement true. Do you see the, do you see the way that you do this? And you, you take the statement, does the statement pass its own test, and does it work with things in the real world? Does it work with your bank account? Does it work with your pregnancy? Young people, you are going to be baptized into the claims of David Hume. You are going to be baptized into the claims of Immanuel Kant. The, in the Enlightenment, these philosophers, it's like a rite of passage these days. As you progress through school, you're going to end up in high school, sage up, and you are going to be confronted by the views of these philosophers, which will, in a sense, attack the bedrock of your faith. And they will make you question the things that you have been taught in church, so to speak, or the things that you've been taught by your, your parents, by your family. David Hume, essentially, skepticism. Be skeptical about everything. If it's not empirically true, it's not to be believed. It ha you've got to learn to be skeptical about everything. The modern skepticism is founded on the notions of these philosophers. But the problem with Hume... Was he skeptical about his own view? Well, of course not. His view is his view. But did he turn his view against itself? Well, no. His view is the view that he's trying to preach and that he's trying to teach to people. Be skeptical about everything. Well, can we be skeptical about the view itself? Do you see from a philosophical standpoint, the, the statement 
takes on a whole new meaning if you turn it against itself. Immanuel Kant, even, even more so. Because for Kant, you, you, if you have this, this, this uh, table in front of you, you cannot fully know the table as an object as being a table because you're perceiving it in, in that way. Your senses perceive a table, but you cannot fully know the table. You say, well, that's nonsense. <laughs> Folks, that's, that's the, 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 the philosophical view that came out of the Enlightenment. I'm oversimplifying it, of course, but you have modern agnosticism that is built on this. So you cannot fully know anything, much less God. How can you claim to know God? Well, turn the statement on itself. What about the statement then? The statement can't be fully known. So nothing can be fully known, not even the statement. You can't even trust the statement itself. This is, the, this is how these things start to crumble. Again, turn the claim on itself and address non-spiritual, non-moral, non-religious things. And does it still work? And these men are brilliant philosophers. But be careful. You read their work and you're going to see an, uh, uh, an attempted erosion at your faith. Watch out for truth claims. You've got to know the truth about truth claims. Jesus said in that dialogue, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate, what is truth? Simple answer, that which corresponds to its object. That's a good definition. That which describes an actuality. That's a good definition. How much money is in my bank account? Am I pregnant or not? These are truths. That which corresponds to its object, that which describes actuality. Truth is discovered, not invented. You don't invent truth, you discover truth. When Newton uh, discovered gravity, he's watching and he says, wow, I can take this table and I can drop it from the same distance as this apple. And this table and this apple weigh different amounts, their mass is different, but I drop them and they, they, they come to the ground at the same rate. How's that possible when one's heavier than the other? Shouldn't the heavier one fall to the ground quicker than the lighter one, like a Bugs Bunny episode, like a cartoon? How's that possible, like a Marvel movie? Hey, it's heavier, it should reach the ground quicker. And Newton scratches his head and he says, what's going on here? And he finally figures out the rate of, of acceleration of this object toward the earth can be measured. It's constant. You can measure it. You can test that measurement. You can turn it on its head. You can try it a million different ways, and you get the same constant. It's 9.8 meters per second per second. 
That's how fast it's going to fall to the ground on this planet. Doesn't matter where you go on the planet, that's how fast it falls. It doesn't matter what people believe about it, that's how fast it falls. It doesn't matter if you try and flap your wings to stop it, that's how fast you're going to fall. You have to find a way to, to have some friction to keep from falling that fast. That's the only thing that's going to keep you up. All of you have proved Newton to be true sitting in your cushy chairs at the cineplex you have just demonstrated you don't even know who newton was you have just proved his claim to be true because all of you including me were accelerating at the same rate towards the earth it's discovered it's not invented it doesn't matter what people believe about it it doesn't change because of belief someone says well you know i don't like newton I don't like Isaac Newton. I don't know Isaac Newton. I don't care about this 9.8 business. I'm jumping and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fall that fast because I believe something differently. When you try jumping and you see what happens, you'll fall exactly as discovered because it's true. Your belief does not change it. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. And truth is exclusive by nature. Uh-oh. By nature, it excludes. By nature, if you're pregnant, that means that you're not, not pregnant. It's exclusive. It's exclusively true that men cannot conceive. Sorry, men. You can't conceive. It's an exclusive truth. It's an exclusive truth that at the moment of biological human conception, the male DNA decides the gender of the child. This is an exclusive truth. It doesn't matter what you believe about it. It doesn't matter if you find it offensive. Men have a prostate gland. Women don't. Men find it offensive. Women don't care if you find it offensive. It's true. And men, you know, by we get to a certain age, you have to have that thing checked. <laughs> and you may not like that truth. Just to be blunt with you, these things are true. So the question is, do these things exist in matters of spirituality? Yes or no? And here's the problem. We want all spirituality to be true. We just want it all to be true. And this is the most common view. All beliefs lead to the same God. It's another true statement. Is that really true? All beliefs lead to the same God. There's a famous parable, and young people, you're going to get this too. When in, in school, you get the parable that's told sometimes this way, and you've got these blindfolded people, and they go up to an elephant. And there's six of them who go up to this elephant, and they're all touching different parts of the elephant. It's told sometimes this way. This is a parable that originally comes out of India from the Eastern thought. And you have that they're all touching the elephant, and there's six different responses, and they say it's a fan, it's a wall, it's a rope, it's a tree, it's a snake, it's a spear. They're all blindfolded. They don't know it's an elephant. The person telling the story knows it's an elephant. But the people who are touching the elephant don't know what it is, and they describe it all in different ways. And they say, you see, 
This is what religion is. You have all these different views, and they're all, it's all the same God. It's just different views. Can't we all get along? Is that true? Well, the problem when it comes to matters of spirituality, just like all other matters of life, you have all these religions, and they all teach different things. And they all teach contradictory things. In Christianity, Jesus died and Jesus bodily rose from the dead. In Islam, Jesus didn't die and Jesus did not bodily rise from the dead. He was, he, he was ascended uh, by God into heaven, but he did not physically die on the cross and he did not physically rise from the dead. This is one of the beliefs of Islam. Belief of Christianity, Jesus died bodily, Jesus rose from the dead bodily. They can't both be true. They contradict one another. Maybe both of them are false, but they both can't be true. Say, well, but all, but all roads lead to the same God. But all these gods are described differently. In Eastern thought, in some Eastern uh, religious views, you don't even have a God. In some, you have multiple gods. In monotheistic religions, you have one God, but the gods are different. They have different personalities. Their nature is different. So how can we say that all, all religious beliefs are talking about the same God? Well, maybe they can all be false, but they can't all be true. And one could be true, and if one is true, then anything that doesn't line up with it or is opposed to it is false. You say, well, that's offensive. Yes, it is offensive. It's as offensive as your doctor telling you the news about your health that you don't like. That's because it has to deal with truth. One could be true, making the rest that are up against it false. Maybe they're all false, but they can't all be true. When you look at this parable of the elephant and the six people, you look at it closely, the parable actually implies truth in spirituality because there's one elephant. There's not 10 elephants. There's not an elephant, a zebra, a lion, and a tiger. If we wanted, the, the, if we wanted it to work the way that we want the story to work, we would have an elephant, a tiger, a giraffe. Those are all the multiple gods and the multiple religious views, and people are all touching these things blindfolded, and they're describing them. That's really what we want the parable to say, but what we're trying to make it say is that there's one God and all these different, different views of this God. Pluralism, which is the view that all of these religions are of equal value, hint, hint, that'll be on the quiz. All these religions are of equal value. They're all true. Pluralism requires many animals in the parable, not one. But here you have one animal, an elephant. Now, what if that animal revealed himself to those people? Ah, they would know. They would see it better. This is a claim of Christianity, that God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. God is not fully knowable without him revealing himself, without the blindfold coming off. The truth is... When you look at these truth claims and you look at the concept of truth as it relates to spiritual matters, we have no justification. We have no concrete reason to somehow say that spirituality, push it off to the side, 
like Quebec does, push it off to the side, keep your religion at home, thank you very much. We have no justification to push it off to the side and say that it doesn't relate to truth somehow. And that truth is true everywhere, but don't touch religion and truth. Can't be so. Leave it alone. They're all true. Make everybody happy. But do you want truth in what your doctor says? You want truth from your bank teller? You want truth in your pregnancy? Why do we not want truth in matters of spirituality? If we're going to play this game where we push it off to the side and we say we exclude spirituality from truth, we therefore exclude morality from truth, we push it aside. Truth does not relate to these things. You know what happens? It takes more faith to do that. You have to have more faith to take spirituality and put it over in its own compartment and keep it away from truth. It takes more faith to do that than to simply say spiritual truth must exist. Maybe I don't like it. Maybe it's hard to figure out. Maybe it's going to be inconvenient. Maybe it's going to be offensive. But I can't say with any amount of reasonable argument that truth doesn't exist in matters of spirituality. We have no reason to do this. It takes more faith to do that than to simply say that, yes, it must exist. It makes sense that it must exist. I can tell you it sure did exist for Jesus. Jesus seems to have a very clear lock on what truth is. What does he say in John chapter 8? Uh, uh, heated discussion you'll read about there in context. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the, and the truth will set you free. Truth for Jesus is knowable, and truth for Jesus is powerful. And truth for Jesus is liberating and freeing to the soul. It certainly exists for Jesus. What does he say in John 14? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is some serious truth claim. This is some really crazy serious truth claim. You know, this is not the Mandalorian episode here. This is the way. Some of you don't watch Mandalorian? Okay. That's what they say in Mandalorian, Disney, Star Wars. This is not a Star Wars episode. This is a serious statement that's being made by Jesus here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who do you think you are, God? Yep. That's what he's saying. And he, and he even gets, he even, just so, just so we understand, he gets an even, just to ditto what he said. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know how offensive that is? It's a very offensive claim. Doctor, I want the truth. You sure? Could change your life. Could change the whole traje trajectory of your life. Could alter the way that you speak. It could alter the everything that you do. 
It could, it could turn your life upside down. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying here. And it, 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 for him, there's no ambiguity. For him, there's no lack of clarity. And for him, truth is embodied in him and in his person. He's making a direct claim to being God in that statement. It's perfectly objectively sound. It's perfectly philosophically sound. It cannot fall when you turn it against itself. Either he's right or he's wrong. But it doesn't fall apart on philosophical grounds. Pilate's question, brilliant. Doesn't fall apart on philosophical grounds. He wants to know, what is truth? And here Jesus is saying, me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what he's doing there, too, is he's saying there's a theistic God. A personal, powerful God who is not part of his creation. Who is the creator. He's saying that too, and we'll look at that uh, next week. But as we finish up today, and the musicians, if you could come and play as we finish here, I wonder if there are those of you who are, who are in the room today, or those of you watching online, or I speak to those who are going to watch later, or people who are going to listen to recordings of this later. We're on Podbean and Apple Podcasts, and I've discovered several other audio platforms that somehow are getting uh, piggybacked onto those major platforms. Um, I wonder if some of these things that the culture has espoused, even that the law has espoused, you believe. And your, believing, your belief in these things is pulling you from God and pulling you from your relationship with Jesus. The two are clearly in conflict for you, and there's a tension that you sense. You're going to go one way or the other way in the way that you believe these things. But these are powerful things to believe. And your beliefs about these things are going to ultimately be the foundation for the choices that you make in life. So what are those beliefs? And does Pilate's question resonate with you today? Lord, I pray for each person who's in the room. Uh, people who are watching online, people who are going to watch this later or listen to this later. And I pray, Lord, that this Easter season, uh, you would once again, after 2,000 years, you would uh, uh, disturb us, God. You would uh, confront us. You would uh, face, uh, uh, come to our face, and you would present yourself to us. Uh, Lord, we have to make a decision. What are we going to do with you? You who made these claims that are not ambiguous at all, but are very, very clear. You put us into a place where we have to make a decision. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us not to pull away from you, not to be pulled from you, but to be drawn toward you, to be pulled by your Spirit toward you. May we be people who seek you. May we be people who seek truth. 
you said that those on the side of truth believe in you. Lord, I pray you would help us to grow in our faith and not to shrink in it. I pray for people of no religion who are watching or in the room today. And Lord, they would be drawn by your spirit toward you. Not repelled, but, but pulled and fascinated by the person of Jesus this Easter. Lord, I pray for the person with questions and the person with doubts and the person who wonders, can I even express these things? And are there even answers to these questions? Lord, that they would find you faithful, that they would find you kind, that they would find you gracious toward them as you reach toward each person and pull each person toward yourself. May we get closer to you. We pray to that end. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you today. Remember to pick up your kids over at 11. If they're there, you can register for the movie on Saturday. You can give over at the table there. Uh, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.